in this episode, you hear about materials over death in a very explicit term. So if you're not ready for that, take a break now. Hi, I'm your host Jasmine, and this is from the Wallflowers, a weekly podcast on everything about mental health stories, all based in Hong Kong. This week, we're going to talk about grief. Do animals grieve? I think my answer would go for yes. I think animals can experience pain physically and mentally. One of the distinctive examples that I could think of. It was the orca mother last August that we saw on the news. She gave birth to a calf, and unfortunately, it died a few minutes later. The killer whale was carrying her dead calf baby at the Salish Sea in the Pacific Northwest region, so it's the Seattle side of America, for a breaking record of at least 17 days. And this is not just an exceptional example that mammals display their grief over lost ones. Almost 20 years ago, in 1999, there was a female elephant called Damini. She died of grief after her friend Shampakali, her elephant friend, died in childbirth in an Indian zoo. Elephants are known for their strong bondings with other similar social groups. Damini, the elephant who died of grief, showed signs of distress before everything ended. She had sunken eyes. Her ears were drooping. She couldn't eat or even drink, and eventually she died of starvation and dehydration. So for those who have ever commented that animals do not grieve, this is simply a brutal statement, and you are an unsympathetic human being. Grief is also a natural response to humans as well, but it is more complicated than the animals so far we found on the scientific field. Apart from physical and cognitive dimensions, social values, cultural norms. Spiritual ideas, this sort of stuff also count. So in 1969, um, there was a guy called Kubler Ross. He founded the model of five stages of grief and published it on his book on death and dying. First begins with denial, followed by anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. One should take note that there's never a standardized way of grieving, and this model was founded. From the observations of people who were grieving the dying person instead of the dead, death is inevitable, and all of us just have to be prepared for that. So, how do people grieve? What are the ways for other people to grieve? And how do I grieve? When I looked back my 20 plus years of memories, I found out that I didn't grieve at all. I first experienced death so closely was when my grandpa passed away when I started my high school. Then six years later, my grandpa on the other side passed away when I was studying for my public examination to get a seat at university. My grandma、uh, also left with no words when I was in my sophomore year 
I remember that I was researching my essay on international relations. My dad called and said, "Oh, your grandma is not going to make it through this night." So I rushed to the hospital, and things didn't work well. And after that, we dealt with the administrative issues. And yeah, I just returned to library and continued my essay because the deadline was the day after my grandma died. Even though my professor said, "Oh, you can hand it in later when you feel okay," but I didn't. I just handed in like other students on time. There were my family members, and somehow it's a bit distant because of our age gaps. But there was one person that I'm still grieving every single day. She was a junior of my high school. She was a basketball team captain. I would describe her very cheerful. My personal attachment to her was that she was the first one who came in front of me and praised me for my first directed drama when I was in high school. I was incredibly touched. And later years, whenever I had dramas performances at all outside school, she would buy ticket and come and support and with little letters. That's very sweet of her. So exactly four years ago today, that was the last time I saw her in high school with her high school uniform. That was my last day of being a high school student, and we were saying goodbyes. And she died after a basketball training that summer. This week's podcast is for her, and I return to my high school and talk to her sister. I call her Gladiolus here because she's the bravest girl I've ever seen in my life. She was having the basketball training with her sister at that time, so yes, let's hear her story. I was very close to your sister, and she was. She was really important to me in high school. Kind of shaped me who I am today. I know this is very personal. Um, how did you react when she said she wanted to go to the hospital? She was in the washroom at that time, so I went in and checked up on her. I had never seen her in that condition before, especially when she complained about her headache. I was really, really scared. And I didn't know what to do at all, so we immediately made our way back to the basketball court, and I shouted for help. Before the people there could even ring the ambulance, she felt so exhausted and just fainted right in front of me. I was very anxious, and at first I thought to myself, everything would be okay, right? But when she was admitted to the hospital, and the doctor on duty told us that my sister had to be proceeded in a life-threatening operation, I was completely shocked. How old were you, and what were you studying at that time? It was the summer break before I was promoted to Form Four in high school. I was 16 years old. Correct me if I'm wrong.、Uh, I remember that、um, your sister stayed in the hospital for like almost a week or thirteen days to be exact.、And、then、um, during that period, what did you do? The surgery itself lasted for around four to five hours, but it felt like an eternity. The first thing I did was immediately informing my parents about it, but I didn't notify my extended family members. My sister was then transferred to the ICU. The surgeon there told me that the operation was successful, 
But my sister was still in a serious condition. There's a chance that she might die, which, which he said that we had to be prepared. I didn't know what to do or what to think at all. Later, our relatives visited the hospital and asked me what happened to my sister, since I was the only one there for the whole time. Indeed, I didn't know how or where should I start explaining. This was my first time encountering such an incident. I really, truly, really believe that my sister will be fine after the surgery, since the doctors said her condition was stabilized. I thought she would just wake up one day and become normal again, and everything in our lives will be back to normal. I was feeling down, at the same time panicking, so I didn't spend a lot of time visiting her for the first few days. But on the fifth or the sixth day, the doctor told us that my sister's situation has gone worse, particularly with the issues in her brain. So then on, I decided to go back to the hospital ward to see her. I would spend my entire day in the hospital with her and even slept overnight at the ICU with my mom for a few nights. On the 8th of August, my sister failed in a brain death test and passed away peacefully. Oh, it's really um, I feel really sorry about your loss. May I ask, when was the last time she, she was alive in front of you? The day the day when the accident happened and she didn't wake up ever since. I remember the day when they had the test. I was with, with my another friend and I thought like uh, it's going to be, I mean it's going to be fine but it wasn't and I remember standing near her deathbed. She was surrounded by her loved ones, the basketball team, her parents, you and um, even though it's, it passed almost for four years now but I still very cling to that memory. I didn't express my sadness at that time. I feel like um, I'm the oldest, like among you little pips. <laughs> so I need to take care of them. And, and I didn't cry on that day, but whenever I'm alone, when I'm traveling, I would just remember her. And I think you're a really, really brave girl in my mind. Yes, it's like as brave as your sister. What did you do after she passed away, and how did you feel now? To be honest, now, whenever I think about her, I will break down. My family are Catholics, so we believe that she's now in heaven. We also live with our aunt. Whenever I was crying next to my sister's bed, my aunt would tell me, you shouldn't cry, you have to be strong. But I knew, from the bottom of my heart, I couldn't do that. I cannot be strong. From then on, I stopped revealing my feelings about my sister to my family, as I don't want them to worry about me, except those happy memories. Whenever I'm alone and I'm missing her, I, I just start crying. Uh, there's never a time frame or expiry date for grieving. I'm still grieving her every single day, but it's important that you have to talk to somebody, right? Um, can you describe her, her character? My sister was a very, very positive person. 
For example, at school, she played the basketball really well, and she practiced very hard to master her skills, and she eventually became the team leader. On other days, though, I could always experience her temper tensions, and all those memories are still vividly in my mind. I know she treated me the best as she could, and I know she really loved me. What does she mean to you? We had a really close bonding. It was only when I've lost her that I realized she was so important to me. Back when she was alive, I could talk to her about everything. We would shop together, play together, sleep together, and even shower together. Now, now that she's not here anymore, I can't find an, any replacement of her. Not even my best friend or my closest family members. At the end of the day, blood is thicker than water. That's just how it is. I didn't want to bother my friends about my own issues, but my sister, my own sister, she would always be there for me. When she passed away, you didn't, you didn't dare to express your emotions, like crying in front of your parents. Did you have some kind of like weird behavior, like you couldn't study or you didn't want to play basketball? I think a little bit. I was not that talented in studying, and my concentration in academics significantly decreased. I guess I also had some mood disorders. I told my mom about them, and she referred her friend to me, who is in the social work field. I also visited the psychiatric clinic a few times, and the doctor diagnosed me of mild depression. He prescribed some antidepressants to me, but after taking them for a short amount of time, I didn't think they helped, so I just stopped taking them. I also felt the same, like my parents were here, my whole family is here, and I'm the only kid there, and then I felt like, oh, I shouldn't cry, like, it, I have to be tough, but then I was too tough that I couldn't express my emotions. I think you're really, you're really brave, like you seek help, like, <laughs> for me, I didn't seek help for so many years, and suddenly everything turned bad. But I'm glad that you did, like, you know how to release your emotions sometimes. So how, how would you remember her now? I have been keeping a lot of photographs of us together. But for most of the time, I was almost petrified to look at them, knowing that these tangible memories would make me miss her even more. And I would just start crying again. Now, whenever something special or something good happens to me, or even at bad times, I could only think of her and want to share everything with her all the goods and the bads. I would like to think that if she is now in heaven, being an angel, she must know that I want to chat with her. Is her room still in a complete way? Did you ever throw away stuff related to her? We stayed in the same bedroom with a bunk bed. I still kept all her things. I used to sleep on the upper bed and she below. The only thing that has changed is that now I sleep at where she used to sleep. All of her things are still there. A very imaginative uh, situation. If she was still alive, what do you want to tell her? Uh, 
If if she really is still here with me, I would like to tell her how much I miss her and and how much I love her. She has a nickname for me, Bun Bun. In English it means little fatty. At times when I don't feel good or depressing thoughts overwhelm me, my mind falls back to her, as if she is calling me little fatty. And suddenly, everything is okay again. Funerals work in Hong Kong. The majority of funeral practice in Hong Kong follows the Chinese Taoist way. The aim of it is trying to appease the wandering spirits in hell to protect the soul of the deceased. It usually lasts a night and a morning. Family members would be wearing white clothing, and the whole funeral theme is surrounded by filial piety, which is a Confucian virtue of respecting the seniors. In the funeral house, the whole scene is decorated with incense, different flowers um, sent off by the living ones, as well as a photo of the dead. So at night, the funeral house would have priests playing music in woodwind instruments and chanting scriptures. And there's also a priest circle around a clay pot with fire, and around it is nine tiles that represent each level of the underworld. So the priest will wave a sword when he dances in order to break the tiles so as to free the deceased spirit from the underground. When I was a kid, to me it was a performance that I look forward to it. Because it wasn't something that you could see normally in daily life, except funerals, and there will be a funeral feast after the cremation in the morning, and as close family members, I was told that you shouldn't consume beef for a hundred days because there's a Chinese way of describing the nasty spirits as cow demons and snake spirits. In Cantonese, it's called ao guai xie san. These foul spirits will harm the deceased spirit, so you shouldn't consume beef and snake in this case. I attended a lot of funerals when I was a kid, and especially at times when I came forward as a granddaughter, I was responsible for folding joss paper ingots, basically a square paper decorated with gold or silver foil that resembles ancient Chinese currency. It was said to be unlucky to arrive after life empty-handed, so you're gonna fold them into ingots and burn them at funeral houses. I just enjoy the feeling of how the existent human beings gathered around. At somebody's funeral, and together make a proper disclosure and remembering them. I think that is something heartwarming. So after the funerals, what's next? I asked my mother this question when her dad, which was my grandpa, passed away a few years ago. She was sobbing, of course, 
but told me that once the physical body stops working, the spirit or the soul will transform into a butterfly. And mysteriously, when my grandpa passed away, I saw several times a butterfly came into my house. Unusually, just days after my grandpa died, my mom said we shouldn't kill them because it means that you're killing the spirit of the deceased. They're just trying to come and visit and telling us that they're fine and please move on. I think this is very poetic. There's never an ending time for grieving. You can grieve them every single day. And to me, whenever I see butterflies, I feel like I'm seeing the people who pass away, and we'll meet each other soon on the Rainbow Bridge. If you have been affected by anything we talked about, please call the Samaritans at twenty-eight ninety-six four zeros. That's a Hong Kong number. And you can also go to their website at samaritans.org, or just talk to your friends and family. They're always there for you. From the Wallflowers is a weekly podcast produced by myself, Jasmine Lang, and credits to Gladiolis sharing her brave story with us and her voiceover, Coco Ma. I'll see you next week.